Welcome to the Bethel Christian Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Eric Capelli. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, you can already get started by turning to the book of Titus in the New Testament. Small little book, but it's got quite a lot to say, and so I want to get you ready for that. This month, the title of the sermon series is Free, and I'm not talking about something free you get at a store. I am talking about the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ. The scripture tells us in the New Testament, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. No longer to walk according to the pattern of the flesh, but to walk according to the Spirit. So whom the Son sets free is free. Whom the Son sets free is free. Amen. We are free. And so this morning, in the line of the freedom that Jesus is offering us, I want to talk to you about a beautiful biblical concept called salvation. This word can be used in Christianity and secular society. And we have this kind of understanding of it, but sometimes we lack the depth of the meaning that the Bible is really trying to communicate to us about what it means to be saved, or in very regal terms, to receive salvation. Come on. And as much as we have equated salvation to an experience, it is also a spiritual, biblical, and legal reality that has been established whether you make use of it or not, whether you feel it or not, or even if you do not completely understand it. See, the point in case is clear in Christianity. Jesus paid it all. It is finished. And what does that mean for you and I? That we have been set free in ways that we cannot even fathom. But I thank God for the Bible that spells out for us why we are saved, what we are saved from, and why we should be so blah, blah, blah happy <laughs> that Jesus paid it all for us. Let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word that speaks to us, a message that is beyond compare. Not only is it a message, but it is a spiritual reality rooted in the finished work of Christ on the cross. And maybe that seems lofty to some of us, but Lord, one thing that we know is that while we were in our sins, you died for us and you provided a way of escape. And so, Lord, we pray that we would leave this place today saved, not only now, but forever. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, let's look in the book of Titus, chapter 2, verse 12. Titus 2, 12 says the following, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live a self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Months ago in the gymnasium, I used this verse, and sometimes I think, here I go, I'm going to repeat it again. But honestly, faith comes by continually hearing the Word of God. When we believe that the Word of God is truth, that becomes our identity. That becomes our belief system. And when we believe it, and when we think it and feel it, we begin to act it out, right? 
So many of us can act like, well, Jesus saved me and I'm just kind of living my life and I'm powerless. The Bible says, no, you have power. You have power over sin. You have power over temptation. You have power over everything that the enemy throws at you. And in Jesus Christ, who is God's yes, you have received every blessing and promise to live a godly life. Come on. I don't know about you. That makes me like super happy. Yeah, it's not only about what we say no to. It's also what we say yes to. Oh, I'm a child of God. I'm saved. I'm healed. I'm delivered. I'm walking in his light. I'm filled with his spirit. I am more than a conqueror in Christ who loved me. When we begin to get a hold of what this salvation really means, oh, world, look out. Oh, devil, look out. Oh, powers of hell, you better watch out. And family members and friends and people that work with us and go to school with us, you better hit the deck because salvation is coming to your house today. See, salvation through Jesus Christ is the ultimate message of the Bible and the core message of the Christian faith. See, other religions might have great leaders and lovely principles to live by, but Christianity is different because our God died to save us, and then he rose again to give us eternal life. Oh, but, you know, this Christianity is a little too much for me sometimes, you know? The exclusiveness of Jesus, that he is the only way, you know, that's not fair, Pastor. Many people that know me and know about Christianity, well, that's not fair to say Jesus is exclusive because we live in a society that loves pluralism. I just call it the buffet. You know, as a consumer society, we do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Oh, I'm going to pick up a hamburger from McDonald's. I'm going to go get a smoothie from the Smoothie King. And when I'm done with that, I'm getting a pretzel from Auntie Anne's pretzel. And that's how people begin to treat Christianity and other religions. I take a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Jesus is not a little bit of anything. He is fully the son of God who died for the sins of the world. Buddha did not die for you. Muhammad did not die for anyone. Krishna definitely did not die for anyone. But Jesus paid the ultimate price for you. And guess what? He did it when you didn't deserve it. He did it when you weren't looking for him. He did it while you were steeped in your filthy sin. Jesus paid it all. But not only did he pay the price for your sin, but three days later he rose. Do you know every religious leader that ever lives, you can pass their grave and their bones and their ashes are still there. But there's a place in Jerusalem where that grave is empty, 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 empty because the stone rolled away and Jesus rose just like the scripture said. He is alive, church. He is alive, alive, alive. My Jesus is alive and he is living inside of us. And because he lives, he offers this salvation, which is so rich and so free. And it gives us a reason to dance. It gives us a reason to be joyful. And it gives us the greatest responsibility ever given to mankind to tell the message until Jesus returns. 
All right, the salvation, what is it all about? Well, the first thing that Jesus saved you from is he gave you freedom from sin. Free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4 speaks of this freedom. Before I read the scripture, I'm going to do a little mini commercial for you. April 20th, we are starting our life teachings where I and our life group leaders are going to give a general teaching and break you up into groups, and we are going to teach you on the book of Romans. If there is a Bible book that is applicable to the society like we live in, it is the book of Romans. And if you want to get in the Word and you want to be changed and transformed, I am going to tell you, you better get there. You better get in that word and let it transform your thinking, transform your heart and your attitude, because the world around us needs Jesus now more than ever before. And so Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 4 says the following, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering. In order that the law's requirements would be fulfilled in us who did not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. I am so grateful for what Jesus did for me. In the Old Testament, there was just a covering for sin. A covering. I don't know about you guys, but have you ever had anyone spill milk on your floor? Even worse, orange juice, soda. And you know when people just try to clean it with like a rag? Or they take some paper towels? And then you walk on it afterwards. Isn't that the most disgusting feeling ever? And in that same way, the Old Testament could only provide the covering. It was like taking some paper towel and trying to sop up that orange juice. But then afterwards, when you walked on it, it was still sticky. But Jesus came, and he is the ultimate degunker. He is the ultimate cleansing agent. Jesus cleaned it up. You are no longer slimy, sticky, and sinful. That blood, that blood has still not lost its power. It is only through the blood of Jesus that you can be saved. It is only through that blood of Jesus that you can be delivered. It is only that blood that can make the foulest person clean from their sin. Man, I am saved from my sin. Thank you, Jesus, that I am clean. Thank you that you washed me and you scrubbed me while I was icky, sticky, dirty, filthy on the inside. Oh, you gave me the best cleaning I've ever had. Max Lucado said the following. The purpose of the Bible is simply to proclaim God's plan to save his children It asserts that man is lost and needs to be saved. It communicates the message that Jesus is the Son of God in the flesh, and he came to save his children. 
Jesus came to save you. No one else saved you. No one else gave their life for you. That is why Jesus gets so demanding. That is why Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. It is only through the perfect, pure sacrifice of Jesus that all your sins can be clean. And thank God that blood keeps flowing. Thank God that it washes me, not only on the day I got saved, that blood is still washing me today. I need that precious blood to wash me every day, every hour. Lord, let that blood cleanse me. The second thing that Jesus came to do when he offered salvation was to free us from sanctions. We hear that word now in our society, sanction. We didn't really use that that much in English. In Dutch, it's used all the time when kids are playing soccer out on the soccer field. They get sanctioned when they are not playing correctly. You get the yellow flag and the red flag when you're playing. We hear that word sanctioned because, you know, again, I love the United States. We've got an awesome army. Sometimes we just like to show it. And so this time we have all these sanctions because we're trying to press a country who is trying to be oppressive. But do you know that there were sanctions against you and I? Do you know that there were punishments put in place because of our sin that Jesus bore? And so when we say that Jesus saves you, he is saving you from the very acts of punishment that you were meant to receive but didn't have to. Revelation 1.18 shows us the power of who Jesus has become as the resurrected Savior. It says, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last, the living one. I was dead, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Come on. Do you know that without Jesus, you deserve death? Do you know without Jesus, you deserve punishment and the fires of hell? Oh, we don't like that, Pastor. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. No, we as churches, we don't mention that word. Oh, yes, we do. Oh, yes, we do. Jesus died because you and I, because of our sin, we were on our way to hell. I knew that even as a child. I knew that without Jesus in my life, I was on my way to hell, and I did not want to burn for eternity. I didn't want to burn. And so because of that, I realized that Jesus was freeing me from death. I realized that he was freeing me up from the death that I deserved. See, the Bible also says in the book of Romans, for the wages of sin is death. Oh, but I like to do what I want, when I want, and how I want. And we live in a society that feeds into that. They feed into your longings and your desires. They feed into your fleshly nature. Oh, you're feeling this. You do it. But what they're not telling you is you've got to pay a price for that. They don't tell you about the price. They never do. They tell you you can give your body to anyone you want. But what they don't tell you is you are going to get a disease. They don't tell you that sexually transmitted diseases are going to rob your body. But what they really don't tell you is it's going to mess up your brain. It's going to damage your emotions. They don't tell you that. They say, oh, give it to anyone who wants it. No. No. The voice of God is crying out in a world of injustice. And it's saying, no, don't do what you like doing. Don't do the things that feel good to you. Don't just steal something that doesn't belong to you. But Jesus doesn't leave us powerless. 
See, the wages of sin is death, but the Bible says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus. I'm not only stuck in my sin, but he provides a way of escape where I am no longer defined by my sinful nature. I'm no longer like a dog led by impulses. I am the crown of his creation. I'm redeemed because of Jesus, and all of a sudden, I walk in the identity of a new creation. Behold, the old has passed away and the new has come. I am new, 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 and every day he gives me a chance to become new all over again. Spurgeon said the following, you will find all true theology summed up in two short sentences. Number one, salvation is all of the grace of God. Number two, damnation is all the will of man. Do you know you can do nothing to be saved? Do you know that you can't be saved because you're a good person? Do you know there's no work that you can do? You can't prove it. You can't act it out. You can't even attend enough church services to get saved. You can't give enough in the offering to be saved. You can't swim in the depths of the biggest baptismal tank in the world and be saved. Salvation only comes through Jesus. And it's imparted through this mystery called grace where God pours out his favor on your life even though you didn't deserve it. Isn't that amazing? You got something you didn't deserve, and it's good, it's good stuff. But see, the other side of the coin is damnation. The fact that we were meant to be punished. The fact that we were meant because of our sin to spend eternity in hell. And we look at God as, oh, no, 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 God. You are not good. You are not right. You are not fair. You are not just. How can a loving God do this? No. What you don't understand is from the very fall of man 6,000 years ago, God has been providing a way of salvation. The scripture says, has my voice not gone out through all the earth that all would know? And 2,000 years ago, God, who loved us so very much, sent his one and only son. And his message is still crying out all over this world to every tribe, every tongue, and every nation where Jesus implores us, come to me, come and drink of the waters of salvation. Oh, but we have a society that makes a mockery out of this. They sing songs like, I'm on a highway to hell. And they think they're going to be boozing it up with the devil. They think they're going to be smoking blunts with demons. No, 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 no. If you think the fires of hell are bad, wait until hell is thrown into the eternal pit of fire. If you've ever burnt your hand on a pan or a lighter or got yourself electrocuted on a fence, that is nothing in comparison to the fires that will burn. Thank God that Jesus provided a way of escape. Thank God that you don't have to go to hell, but you can live in the glories of his eternal kingdom, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. But this is the last part. Because I can talk to Christians and they can tell me, oh, I'm saved from sin. And they can also tell me, oh, I'm saved from the fires of hell. But see, it's really this last part that's the humdinger. This is what the scripture keeps trying to say to us over and over again. And I want us to get it because it's not a fun concept. See, Jesus also saves us from what I refer to as self-sabotaging. Does anyone remember Inspector Gadget? 
This message will self-destruct in five minutes. Since the Garden of Eden, we've been on this path of self-destruction. Because of our sin and our sinful nature, we deserve something called the wrath of God. And that is a term, we don't want to talk about it. Like the movie Encanto, we don't want to talk about Bruno. But we have to talk about Bruno. We have to talk about the wrath of God because if we don't understand the wrath of God, we will never really know the price that was paid to save us. See, sin is your own problem. Hell is a punishment, but the wrath of God is a real thing. The wrath of God will be revealed and poured out on mankind. Why? Because God is a loving God who punishes evil. Oh, we don't like to hear that, Pastor. No, 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 no. He's only good. Yes, he is good. And in his anger and in his wrath, guess what? He is still good. He is just. He is fair. Because God hears the voices of injustice that cry out in the world around us. If you have your Bible, let's look at Romans. Romans chapter 5, 6 through 10. It says, for while we were still helpless at one time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, and I love when Paul writes like this, how much more? How much more? How much more? So he says, how much more, since we have now been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then again he goes, and how much more will we be reconciled, will we be saved by his life? Jesus and Paul are getting deeper. They're saying, oh, this is more than just getting saved from your sin. This is more than just kind of getting eternal life. This is that you were meant to receive the wrath of God. And Jesus, your big brother, he took the beaten for you. He took the punishment for you. He drank the cup of God's wrath onto himself. The cup that you don't have to drink. The cup that will eventually be poured out. But Jesus drank it for you and I so that we did not have to drink from it. N.T. Wright said the following. He said, God's wrath properly is an aspect of his love. It is because God loves human beings with a steady, unquenchable passion that he hated things like apartheid. Do you know that he hates torture and cluster bombs? Do you know that God loathes slavery? See, we talk about slavery in the past. Do you know there are more human slaves in this world right now at this moment than ever before in history? Come on. Let's talk about Bruno together. Let's talk about these things. Let's talk about the fact that sometimes the very phone I call people on is tainted with the blood of other people. Let's talk about the products that I buy at the store. Oh, no, no, no. We don't want to talk about that in the United States of America, the very country where we need nine planets to keep up with the life we have here. Oh, we don't talk about those things. We don't talk about those things. 
Do we understand that the wrath of God is boiling for the injustice that goes on in our world? Do you not think that God hears the cry of innocent children who are used and abused? Do you not think that God doesn't hear the cry of slavery? That God doesn't hear the cry of the widow and the orphan and the foreigner that are crying out? Do you think that God does not hear the cry of innocent blood? He is a just God. And he is righteous. Thank God for Jesus. I deserve his wrath, but he provided a way of escape. Let's turn in our Bibles to Luke 22, verse 40 through 44. It says, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then an angel appeared from heaven, strengthening him, meaning Jesus. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. As I said, Jesus, on the evening that he was betrayed, celebrated the Passover with his disciples. And he drank from different cups of celebration. But in the garden alone, Jesus drank from a cup that wasn't on that table. A cup that was spoken of over and over again in the Old Testament, the cup of God's wrath. When Jesus was there and said, not my will, but yours be done, Jesus drank of the wrath of God. And all of a sudden, after he did that, it was evidenced in his very body as his sweat became like drops of blood. Jesus started in that moment to pay the price for you and I. The wrath of God, the Bible says, was satisfied in what Jesus did. And that is why I hide behind Jesus. That is why he is my righteousness. Because I don't have righteousness in and of myself. I need him. See, Jesus did not die just to give you peace and purpose in life. I love modern Pentecostal evangelical Christianity. However, what I hate are cliche statements. We say, oh, Jesus, you know, and it's a nice thing. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to diminish that statement. But it's like, oh, we go up to people. Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life. No, salvation is way more than you getting goosebumps all over. Salvation is more than just a nice little feeling on the inside. Jesus died to save us from the wrath of God that we deserve. That is the message of salvation. That is why we will preach until his kingdom come. That is why he is so important. That's what gives me a reason to worship because I was meant for wrath but thank God for Jesus that the wrath of God was satisfied and that I can be a child of God this morning we're going to celebrate communion with one another I'd like to ask one of our interns from Faith Bible College International Julia if she'd like to come up she's going to share just briefly with us about why why are we taking communion and she'll pray with us Let's stand with one another as one body, as Julia shares with us. Thank you, Julia. So uh, today I, I felt like uh, God had put it on my heart. In Exodus 20, 24, verse 4, it says, uh, so pretty much it's about how Moses brought out the tablets. And when he brought out the stones, there was a, there was a cloud. And so in verse 5, it says, Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him, and he called out his own name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. 
I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquities, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilt. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, every child in the third and fourth generation. But if you read what Pastor just talked about in, in Romans 8, it says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sin nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we have sinned. We, we have, and in the body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. It's because of God's love. It's like this image of a father today. I, I want you to imagine yourself like there's a big house and you're one of those kids in there if you're saved. And then this is a house where when you mess up, God doesn't throw you out of the house, but you can leave the house and walk away. The only way you can come outside of the grace of God is if you leave the house. Now, now this is all about coming back. Come back to God because of his grace. Not only can you come back after you've walked away and say, God, I can't, I can't. But when you come back, it's because of the blood of Jesus you can come back. It's because of the blood of Jesus you can stay in grace. So as we partake in communion today, I want you to just check your hearts. And I want you to just give that over to God, whatever it is in there, because God loves you. He wants you to come before him with a clean heart. He wants to see you. So we're going to open the, uh, the bread today for his body. partake of that. If his, if his body was not broken, we would not have been able to receive salvation. And if not for his blood, we would not be able to be covered by his love. God, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for the people in this building, God, and I pray, Lord, that they would feel your love lavish upon them, Father. Lord, I pray that you would touch their hearts, God, and show them that you love them, God. I pray, Lord, that you would pick them up out of where they are, Father, and show them that the grace and love you have for them. Father, you're a forgiving God. You're a loving God. There's no reason for us to hide from you. Father, for it is condemnation that keeps us away from you. So I pray, Lord, as we come to you, Father, cleanse and purify our hearts. Fill us with your love and joy today. I thank you, Father. Thank you for pastor. Thank you for this church. But thank you for you, God. For if it were not for you, none of this would be here. So I thank you, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Be blessed today, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Bethel Christian Church Message of the Week. Head to BethelCC.org to stay up to date with everything that's going on at Bethel Christian Church.